From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. WalletWatch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games. Delivering financial topics in an enjoyable and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica. And I'm Amanda. We're so glad you're here. Hello, Wallet Watch listeners. It's me, Amanda, and I'm here with me, Jessica. We are really excited because we have a very special episode that we are going to be recording today. And we are lucky to have a small business owner be able to join us and we are planning to highlight them in our episode today. Yes, we would like to welcome Kimberly Levon. She is the owner and founder of the small business Mint Maven. And we are going to have a great conversation with her today. She's going to give us some insight and intel about what Mint Maven is, what they do, what they specialize in. And I think this is going to be a really great episode for our creative listeners out there. I'm really excited to meet Kimberly and get to sit down and talk with her today. So thank you so much for tuning in and we hope that you enjoy the episode today. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to start by giving our listeners a little introduction about yourself and your business? Yes, uh, my name is Kimberly Levon. I am a former full-time fine art printmaker turned fine art fundraiser, and I'm now the creative writer and CEO of Mint Maven. How exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about Mint Maven? What does Mint Maven do? What do you do there? Fantastic question, right? Uh, Mint Maven funds creative projects, creative entrepreneurs, creative studios to help make everything creative, pottery, fine art, music, anything creative, more accessible to everyone, more part of your regular everyday life and helping creatives beat the starving artist myth because there are billions of dollars specifically earmarked for creatives. So I want to be the person who removes the obstacles between the money and the creative. Kind of bridge those gaps. That's awesome. Yeah. Was there something that inspired this change of transitioning from being an active creative artist into wanting to help fund other artists? Yes, it's actually a really hilarious story. So I went to graduate school for fine art printmaking, was accepted for that, but within the first week found out that the program was closing and I had to choose or find a new specialty, which was not anywhere in my thought process at the time. So going through, you know, layers of creative things I'd never heard of, I ended up landing in advertising. It just felt like a good fit. I grew to like a really amazing space creatively within that field and was thinking I would just use that degree to advertise my fine art and get back into it when I got wherever I was gonna go. And then COVID happened and it was like, oh my gosh, what is anybody doing with anything? So, you know, kind of retreating back 
into my own mind and just being chill during lockdown and really asking myself, what do I really want to do? Like what, of all the things I can do, what is the most fulfilling? What's the most like exciting? And I realized that the advertising specialty like layers, the strategy part was the one part that I didn't really connect with, but I thought I would always love because they said it was a focus on putting puzzle pieces together, like kind of like uh, Sherlock Holmes. And I'm like, I love that. So I took the time over lockdown to really dive into strategy. I found this amazing strategist who was giving a boot camp. Her name's Melinda Livesey. I took her boot camp. We get to the end of the boot camp when I graduate and I'm prepared to be a brand strategist. And that was the plan. And then I had my talk with her to kind of follow up, like, how did the program go? What did you like? What did you not like? And she said, how did you get, you know, the money to pay for this program? I know we discussed, you know, stuff before we got here. And I said, I got a grant. And she's like, what's a grant? And I'm like, let me tell you about it. So we started that process. And then I learned that most people that I'd been interacting with had no idea what a grant was. They didn't know it was available. They were like, free money. What are you talking about? How do you get this stuff? And she said, you're really good at this and nobody knows about it. This could be like your thing and you could really help a ton of people. Have you considered that? And I'm like, I absolutely haven't. But she kind of like nudged me and it, it took off like overnight. I've already worked with 40 people as a solopreneur. I've won one client $50,000. Another one got another 50,000 recently. I built a database of millions of grants. And I learned recently that there are $450 billion available in the United States alone. And Canada has given out 10 billion as of last year. And I thought that the maximum was 72 billion. It's actually 450 billion. So the amount of money that every person who's interested in starting a small business, if you're interested, you can get funded but the competition to earn a grant is incredibly high. Finding them is incredibly difficult. And then doing all the work to actually win the grant is even more difficult. So those being the three biggest obstacles, I built Maven around those to ensure everyone, not just creatives, but everyone who needs help, who I can help, gets that help and easily. It's really interesting because, you know, and I've talked about this before to our listeners, I have a background in art too. So we have that in common. And I just think of how useful this is going to be for artists, because I, I feel like a lot of artists are so focused on creating their artwork and making their artwork in that process that this kind of adult side of being an artist and doing those things, I feel like a lot of people don't know how to do these things. It's sad too, because like there's so much money only for artists. It's like anybody could apply. It's like, unless you are a ceramicist or a printmaker, it's like, this isn't even available to you. And most of them just kind of go by the wayside and nobody even gets funded because no one applies for them, which is another thing that I thought was really interesting. It's like, where does the money go? It's kind of like a lottery that way. It just sits there. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to, to know that the impact is going to be much greater than I even thought. Like I was just thinking, yes, my community needs help. And, but it's, it's way bigger than I even imagined. I I'm sitting here and I'm listening to like 
you explain all of this and it's kind of mind blowing because you think about grants as a whole for certain things, you know, but like you said, with the creative arts and artists and stuff like that, you don't necessarily think that all that stuff is out there. So we know that you help with funding support when it comes to the creative placemaking. But one question, so when Amanda and I were doing some research and getting ready for our interview today, we wanted to know, and we wanted to let our listeners know, what is creative placemaking? Fantastic question. Americans for the Arts classify creative placemaking as the use of arts and culture by diverse partners to strategically shape the physical and social character of a place in order to spur economic development, promote enduring social change and improve the physical environment, which basically to me means you get a bunch of people who are non-creatives but love creative, a bunch of people who are a billion percent creative, and you combine them together and you figure out what the non-creatives want to see in their physical environment, what the creative person can do to facilitate that need, and if the non-creative has money to help the creative make that happen, wonderful. If they don't, then more partners are needed to make our space creative and lively and awesome. Yeah, and I think that communities that are thinking about this and communities that are working towards doing this creative placemaking, like you said, it, it builds a stronger community. And I think a lot of people feel more of a sense of pride in the places that they're living. And it's definitely super important. Oh, for sure. Like the all the new art I'm seeing going up around Lansing is like just amazing. It's way more than I've ever seen before. It feels like at least the community of cities really embracing creatives of all kinds, which is super rad too. And the, what is it, the Shiawassee, Mosaic Project, I haven't seen that type of art kind of mainstream ever really, or not, at least not recently, contemporary versions of that, but. Can you give us an idea of the type of clients, like some examples of maybe clients you have worked with or types of clients that you're looking to work with in the future? Yes, so the perfect client for me would be arts councils, design studios like Redhead or Seesaw, independent artists like your partner, anybody, uh, let's see, musicians, culinary art, uh, people who want to build interactive, three-dimensional outdoor sculptures, things, anything like non-box thinking, like innovation, color, sound. Uh, the UICA, I've worked with them in the past, not for grants specifically, but I've done murals and stuff with them. Melinda Livesey is uh, a business coach, brand strategist for me and Mint Maven, but also a client. So she's one of the awesome people I got to help win some grant funding. And uh, I'm working with Greater Lansing Open Soccer because the owner is a pianist. So as a creative, he speaks the same language as Mint Maven. He's not working on a technically creative project, but as a creative, we speak the same language and I'm able to facilitate his needs that way. So if anyone listening, if you are working on a non-creative project, but you are creative, I'm excited to talk to you too and help. That's awesome. Can you tell us, Kimberly, a little bit about what does the process look like working with you from starting off with maybe sending in an inquiry, somebody who's interested in working with you, 
and then working your way through the process of potentially them receiving that grant. So what does that kind of look like? So in a perfect world, you'd visit the website. If you had any questions, you'd visit the huge page of frequently asked questions. If, if you feel like we're a good fit, you would book a free call. We would talk about what your needs are. I would figure out if I am the best person to help you with those needs. If not, I would give you a suggestion for something else. But if I am a good fit, we would discuss the different options. Uh, there are three packages that cover the three biggest pain points for grant funding. So we would pick which one fits you best and then get you on the schedule. It's one hour a week for three weeks. And at the end of that, you will leave with a custom uh, grant strategy full of leads, full of your business's information, and most of everything that you're gonna need to apply for a grant on your own in the future. And then depending on the package, there are several grants that I apply for on your behalf as part of that package, depending on which one you choose. So after that, things kind of get a little strange because there's a super long waiting period depending on the grant funder. It can take anywhere from four weeks to two years to get a an approval or denial or whatever. So it's important to be aware of that because people think, oh, awesome, this person or this organization is gonna give me money and they're gonna help me and they want to, fantastic. But it's not like picking up a paycheck, it's like developing relationships and proving merit and doing research and all that stuff. So it's really important to do all of that ahead of time. And then when you get to the super hard part, which is explaining why you deserve funding and why you should be the only person that they pick, uh, then you'll have more time and energy to kind of put your, wrap your mind around it. And then even after that, after you get funded, depending on the funder, there are requirements that you have to fulfill, like reporting, sending in receipts, photos depending, sometimes videos, just to show that you did spend the money on what you said you would spend the money on. Oh, for sure. That makes sense. And thank you for kind of walking us through that process. As kind of a follow-up, what would you say someone's chances of success are by working with you and receiving the grant versus them not having any of those resources, them not having any of those connections or someone like you to kind of help them put that whole portfolio together to get them ready for the grant writing process. The most recent stat is one in 10 applications are accepted and granted. And I learned that the most recent grant I applied for for uh, one of my clients, there were over 500,000 applicants and only the top 1% were given an award. 75% of every single grant funder in the United States, I believe, 75% work for internal organizations with full teams. Only 25% are people like me. So okay. if you have a small business, you're competing with massive corporations with huge grant writing teams, which makes the chances of success, in my opinion, less than one in 10, probably even higher, but with support, and knowledge and, and people you can treat, you can train yourself to do this if you have the time and interest as well, but uh, it is a ton of work to do it that way. I could imagine like going through that whole process on your own and getting that first rejection and just be like, okay, I'm done. 
like having you be able to coach someone and help someone through that process, what an advantage that they are going to be able to have. Which I don't think is a bad thing. And maybe something to kind of talk to our listeners about are what are some of those things that if you were to win a grant, what can that, what can grants pay for? Like what can they help with when it comes to somebody starting their business? So if you are needing training, specialized training, certifications, grant can pay for that. If you need to travel, like hotel, plane tickets, anything to do with that, that can be covered. Uh, classes, anything honestly you could think of. Emergency dental work is covered. Like just the, the most crazy things. If you are a silver jewelry artist in Utah, there is one very specific grant just for you. I have found crazy grants that, that cover the gamut of everything, but um, in art, it's, it's even more complex because it's like we only take ceramicists, we only take printmakers or so on. So you could find a treasure trove of grants. It's like, cool, there's one database with all these free listings of grants, super. And then it'll take you four to six months to go through every single one of them to figure out if you meet the qualifications, if you're even if your work is up to par enough to apply for that grant, etc. Then it's like again, throw your hands in the air. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I feel like that's where it adds benefit of working with somebody like you because you've done a lot of that research. It sounds like with your company. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. And we're really, really excited to be able to support you and be able to get your company and your information out there. Is there anything else that you want to leave with our listeners today? I'd say if you're a creative person and you need help to scale or grow your business, if you need supplies, if you need travel, if you need to pay for these art exhibition fees like the East Lansing Art Festival and you need help, I am here. Check out the website. There's tons of freebies there that you can start with on your own. And if you're like, hey, I still need more help, I'm totally here. And I'm gonna be releasing uh, community chats soon. So you can visit me at one of those at some point in time. Uh, But I'm here, I'm happy to help. I'm excited to help you and I want to help. And just to be clear to our listeners, they can find your website at www.mintmaven.co. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. Are you looking for an easy way to give back to the youth in our community? When you select the Desk Drawer Fund as the benefiting nonprofit through Kroger Community Rewards and do your grocery shopping at Kroger, Kroger will donate 1% of your purchases to students in the Lansing School District and the Lansing Safe Program. To sign up, simply head over to Kroger.com, sign in, then click My Account, select Community Rewards on the left-hand side of the page, search for Desk Drawer Fund, and click Enroll. At no cost to you, you will be able to support future post-secondary education costs for students in Lansing. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn and me, Jessica Rubio. 
Our executive producers are Ariana Saldana and Susie Elkins. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.